You're listening to the Northwestern Campus Ministry Podcast from Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. Northwestern Campus Ministry exists to send students out as those rooted, built up, and established in Christ for God's glory and for the sake of the world. Thanks for listening and enjoy this recent message from our Christian Formation Program. Raider community, I hope you've been able to uh, dive into Ephesians, whether that's here with us in Tuesday or maybe in your own personal time. I know a number of D groups have been diving into Ephesians. I want to invite you to BYO Bible. Go ahead and grab your Bible, uh, open that up. Uh, we're going to be diving into Ephesians 4 and 5, and uh, our very own community uh, will be uh, opening up some, some wisdom and thoughts and reflections. Uh, Six of our, our uh, campus ministry team leaders were willing to uh, soak in this passage, study this passage, uh, really over the last even couple months. Um, one of the things I love about Ephesians is it makes this passive or this, this massive shift. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 are really these doctrinal, huge big theological kind of framings, and then all of, a, all of a sudden you see the word therefore at the beginning of Ephesians 4, and it's like a hinge into like practical living, and so we're going to lean into some practical wisdom that God gives us in Ephesians, hearing from some of our brothers and sisters, but um, yeah, Faith, can we start with you? Would you all just introduce who you are, your year here, some of your responsibilities on campus, and so campus knows you. And I am a STEG um, coordinator um, for D groups, and I am a senior, and I'm a graphic design major. I'm Gabriel Rathbun. I'm a junior justice and service coordinator. I'm uh, Gerard Umai. I'm a software engineering major. <laughs> and I'm a junior. <laughs> Uh, my name's Lauren. I'm a junior marketing major, and I'm the graphic designer for campus ministry. I'm Lauren. I'm one of this year's prayer and event coordinators, and I'm a public relations major. Right on. Hey, can we thank them for... Uh... Oh, Kyle, you wanted to say something, to too? Um, I'm Kyle Christie, junior, um, I think a business admin and BTS major, and um, I'm also the D group coordinator for North, so... Should I, no? Yeah. Hey, can we, th- can we thank the CMT for being willing to, to share with us a little bit? All right. All joking aside, and thanks for sharing a little bit. Let me, let me say a word of prayer, and then uh, we're going to just kind of dialogue up here and invite you to reflect on Ephesians 4 and 5 with us. God, we love you. God, we thank you for your presence in our midst. God, we thank you for the eternity of who you are, the stability of your truth in a world that is so day-to-day, constantly changing left and right, up and down. Um, uh, It feels as if, yeah, so much is uncertain, God, but we just thank you for the assured certainty of of who you are. We thank you for the eternal truths that you give to us uh, in your word. And so as you wrote through your Holy Spirit, um, through a Pauline author long ago to the regional church uh, in the shadows of Ephesus, Um, would those truths also speak to us today? Thank you for these sisters and brothers. I just pray you would speak through them um, and that we as a campus wouldn't just be um, thinkers or believers, um, but more so we would be um, active in our faith and and doers of your word, God. So we pray this all in your name and all God's people said, Amen. amen. 
Hey, and, and, and so uh, just so you all know, we've, we've gotten together, um, um, prayed over this passage, even have had a prior conversation about this passage. And so, yeah, just, just a lot of good wisdom um, that God has been speaking uh, through these sisters and brothers. Um, really too much uh, to share in our brief time together. Um, but as we think through Ephesians 4 and 5, we're going to go ahead and look at, let's see if we get, uh, there we go, first 10 verses up there. But as I said earlier, you see that word therefore, it really shifts to practical. And uh, we've talked about this as a group. Why, why do you think the author of Ephesians, led by the Lord, of all things, to get practical about, it seems like the author is just constantly talking about oneness and unity. Uh, what's the big deal about unity? Why do we think um, the Ephesians author was, was, was really anchoring this practical pivot in unity? I, know. I think uh, one of the big reasons that like the Ephesians author talks about unity so much is just almost um, where we get our unity. So if you like look in chapter four, verse three, it says, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So like we get our unity from this bond of peace, which when I was reading that the first time really made me think of um, back in chapter two of Ephesians, it talks a lot about peace um, and kind of where we get that. And it says in chapter two, verse 14, for he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. And so just how, like, when um, Jesus died on the cross, he not only, like, reconciled us to himself, but also to each other, um, and therefore creating peace. And without peace, we can't have unity. And then without unity, we can't walk worthy of the calling that we've received, like it talks about in verse 1. So really, it just points back to, like, our dependence on Christ and, like, why we need him. Yeah. Part of the reason there's such a strong emphasis on unity um, throughout Ephesians is because um, God knows how difficult life can be, especially when you're um, pursuing your calling as a Christian in this broken world. And so I think um, he knows that we're better together than we would be on our own. And so just really emphasizing um, coming together and working together. Um, and I think something Ephesians also um, brings up is how God is sovereign over all of the brokenness of the world. But um, if you look at verse nine, um, it tells us that he also is on our level and knows what it's like to be on earth. So it's not like he's just above um, watching this all happen. He knows what it's like to be on earth with us. Um, it says, notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. So I just think that part of Ephesians is cool and it brings um, light to the fact that his son Jesus came down on earth and lived amongst us and knows that unity can be hard at times, but it is needed. Yeah, uh, what I got from it was kind of like in verse two and four, where it talks about like always being humble, patient, and uh, gentle with like humility. And like uh, when like you read Ephesians, it talks about like Jews and Gentiles, and like sometimes I feel like we forget that we were once Gentiles as well. So like we weren't always like Christians and like we still aren't perfect. Like we're always learning. So like just being gentle with one another and like if we're maybe not more advanced, but like if we maybe know more, just like helping one another, like just get to like that further stage in like our walk and stuff like that. And like not necessarily taking God's role to like save people, but like just doing what we can to like bring them forward because like ultimately we're the like clay and God's a potter so like 
yeah, we just need to make ourselves available and allow God to use us. So, yeah, that's what I think Unity was talking about. Yeah, that's so good. Gerard, I, I remember having a conversation with you last week, and you talked about, like, meekness and, and biblically this, like, idea of power under control, that meekness is not weakness. It's, it's, there's a, there's a, it's, it's a power under control. It's choosing to, to, to yeah, to, to think more of others as, than just yourself. I loved how you said that last week, too. And, um, and we talked about the bond of peace a little bit last week, how peace is not passive, right? Like we're not called to be peacekeepers as much as peacemakers. Um, and making peace can be hard. That's why we have that word forbearance and long suffering that we see the author use um, in conjunction with peace. So yeah, lots of good stuff in those first 10 verses, but to, to start to pivot our attention just even a little later, unity seems to roll right into these gifts that um, obviously we don't possess gifts, gifts we receive gifts. And we spent quite a bit of time um, over these last couple of weeks um, with the rest of CMT, but also together just discussing the idea of gifts. Um, and no doubt we don't worship gifts, right? We worship the giver of all gifts. And yet um, gifts are for something and unto something. And so how do, we, how do we think about these gifts? How do we use these gifts? What are they for? What are they unto? Uh, what do we learn from Ephesians? Yeah, so verse 11 is where those five gifts are listed. And I think like one of the most important things um, when thinking about the gifts is um, their purpose. Like I think it's easy when we get things like gifts, we want to use them for our own pleasure and enjoyment like toys, but we need to use them as tools instead. And kind of what makes that distinction is using them in love because any of those used without love can be destructive. Like if we're evangelizing without love, that's destructive. If we're shepherding without love, that's destructive or teaching without love. Um, and so, and how we use them for others to like build up the church and each other, but it's unto Christ since he's the giver of the gifts. And um, just really realizing that, which like reflects back to Ephesians 3, um, 10, it talks about, it says, so this is that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heavens. And so kind of, again, like it talks about being, um, like for the church and for others, but it's unto Christ. And, um, we can't just look at it in one way. Like God's wisdom is multifaceted. Like it says, like, we have to be able to look at it in a couple different ways. I guess that kind of makes me think, or like you talking about multifaceted wisdom, Emily, is like uh, in the middle of 12 or verse 13 in chapter 4, it reads, So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And when I was reading that, it just made me think about, um, I went to Urbana over Christmas break um, in the last speaker or whatever was talking about um, how Christianity isn't a monocultural faith or whatever um, and how we're called to so much more in that. And it's not that like we're bad Christians or whatever or that we're malnourished in our faith, but that, you know, the kingdom of God that's coming is like a lot more representative than just at least for me, like the white American church. And so what's it look like to take steps to experience more holistically like the kingdom that's coming? So... Yeah, and I also just, um, I think looking down to like what the gifts bring for us too. And so just like for one stability, um, I like how it leads into, um, what verse? In 14, it says, 
Then we will no longer be like little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and techniques of deceit. Um, And so like that sounds kind of scary. Like I don't want to be swayed. I don't want to be deceited. But um, by like having these gifts that builds unity, which builds accountability too. And so um, one thing I remember we talked about was like that we don't want to confuse novelty with truth. Because I feel like a lot of times it's easy for us, like we hear something new or like, well, I've never thought about it that way. And we just automatically accept that as truth. But um, just being rooted in scripture and um, walking alongside other believers um, helps with that. And um, the example of like, if an FBI agent is like an expert in counterfeit, it's not because he studied every different kind of counterfeit. It's because he studied the real thing so much that he knows when something else comes that that doesn't align with it. And so it's like the same with scripture, like understanding that truth um, is something that our gifts help with. And then also just how in order to fully live this out, we have to be able to speak the truth in love. Um, and it talks about that in verse 15. It says, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ. Um, and just how, kind of like how we were talking about with um, the, what was it? Um, unity, like without love, or we can't use the gifts um, without love. It's the same with this. If you have truth without love, then that's just brutality. And if you have the love without truth, that's hypocrisy. And both of those um, is something that will break us down and take away from that unity that we just established. So it's just really important to keep those things in mind when you're talking about the gifts. And it, it, it's, it's such a huge vision, right? Like this incredible oneness and unity, right? And these incredible gifts that our God's is the great giver and he's so generous in those gifts. And yet all of a sudden when that collides with a world full of brokenness and sin, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to live out those gifts sometimes and it's hard to live into that kind of oneness. We talked a lot about that. Like what does it mean to... <laughs> see this vision and then all of a sudden it collides with the day-to-day of the yuck of my heart and the yuck of the world. Um, but uh, yeah, what, what are some of those difficulties as we pivot our attention a little later in Ephesians 4, what are, what are some of those difficulties on a day-to-day basis that uh, maybe hold us back from using these gifts and walking in this oneness? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different answers to that question, but in this um, particular passage in Ephesians, I think it's talking a lot about our emotions. Um, If you look in chapter four, verse 26, it says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Um, And I think something that's important to point out in this passage is it says to not let anger control you. It doesn't tell us that we can't ever feel angry or have these emotions um, because when Jesus was on earth, he felt all these emotions that we feel. And so the difference is, do we let our anger or other emotions control us or do we control that and act out of truth and not based on emotions? So I think it's important, um, like it says in 27, to not let um, anger controls because it gives that foothold to the devil um, and will control our actions and lead us into sin. So just being people that um, are grounded in truth and not emotion. Yeah, I got something to say, so. So verse 31, I'll read it. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. 32 says, be kind with one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God has in Christ forgave you. So after reading this and like talking with everybody, I was reminded of the commandment of love your neighbor as yourself. 
So I'm going to read a passage from Matthew 6. Um, it was like talking about loving your enemies. So you have heard it, and it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. The greatest commandment. Here we go. <laughs> Teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So these two verses, I feel, um, are connected because we are humans and we continue to sin and we are broken and one of the things that I've been recently like thinking about and dealing with is the word of forgiveness and that forgiveness is just, it's so hard when we are having to like accept but also forgive others because we are broken and we are prideful and sometimes we may say that we forgive others but we really know that it might hurt us and that loving your neighbor in this sense is to forgive other people just as God has forgiven us, so. Yeah, that's good stuff. I heard a poll once thinking about uh, Ephesians 4. If you look at verse 18, it talks about the hardness of heart and kind of like what you were saying, Gabe, you know, verse uh, 32, it talks about where to be kind or the word is tenderhearted. And so there's this massive difference between having a hard heart versus a tender heart. And uh, yeah, a friend of mine, I always, when I lived in Alabama and Arkansas for a while, he always used to say, if I'd ever ask him, hey, how can I pray for you? He would always say, pray that, pray that I don't get a hard heart, right? And, uh, and, and that always stuck with me to, that we're called not to have um, soft skin and a hard heart. We're called to have, you know, kind of thick skin and a soft heart. And uh, yeah, I think about that when I think about things like bitterness that can creep into the attitude of our heart um, and make it hard pretty quick. But um, I'm curious, you know, as we shift our attention, you know, Ephesians 4 starts to get practical and then Ephesians 5 uh, kicks things off thinking about, you know, being imitators of God. I know Faith, you and I were talking about that a little bit. I'd be curious, you know, why, why do you think... Um, yeah, imitating God, um, you know, is so significant. Yeah. yeah, so in the first two verses of five, um, it talks about, um, it says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, um, a, fragrant a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Um, and so I've actually been reflecting on that a lot lately, um, like just what it means to live as an offering, a sacrifice, imitating God. Um, yeah, and to successfully like do this, um, we have to pray to God that, um, that we would um, have the strength 
to live in a self-denying sort of life um, and just make every decision we make every day a sacrifice. Um, it is so hard to die to self, but that's what we're called to. Um, and it reminds me of the passage, um, John 3.30, which is um, St. John the Baptist talking about how um, Christ must increase and he must decrease. And so, yeah, um, the more we can make God the center of our lives, the main character in our life story, and we become a supporting role, the better. Um, because, yeah, it is such a gift to be a supporting character in the great narrative of our God. Oh, good, yeah. I, I like the way you said that. Such a God-centered centered vision. Um, you know, Ephesians, we talked about this as a group. It, it, it talks a lot about body posture, right? There's this triumphant ending in Ephesians 6 about how we're to stand against the powers and principalities of this world, the most heinous, darkest evils. God calls us to literally go toe-to-toe to that place, and the posture is standing, this position of strength, this position of readiness, this position where we're on our toes, right? But we can't stand unless we first walk, right? And we can't walk, as we learned about a couple weeks ago, unless we bow our knee in prayer. And we don't bow our knee in prayer unless we know just how seated we are in authority, right, in the heavenly places. And so Ephesians 5 talks a lot about walking, and it frames it walking in light, um, walking in love, and walking in wisdom. I'd just be curious, um, we talked a little bit about that, but why do you think the author chose to talk about light, love, and, and, and wisdom tied to this idea of walking uh, with Christ and in Christ? Yeah. Um, well, love, light, and wisdom, like that is who God is. Um, he is the final definition of love, light, and wisdom, all three. Um, yeah, and the worldly definitions of those words are so shallow and weak. Um, just looking at them through the lens of God, they take a whole new, more eternal meaning. Um, love in our culture can often be mistaken for um, like our self-love culture that kind of runs rampant right now where it's all about us. Um, but love through the lens of Christ is, um, it's lasting, it's eternal. Um, there is depth to it, and it's not self-serving. Um, light loses its power if it's not used to reveal truth, and that is what God would have us do with light. That is what he does um, with his light. Um, yeah, and he, yeah. Wisdom becomes a little voice inside of us when we start to look to ourselves for all the answers, but true wisdom can only be found in the wisdom of our Father. Um, yeah, so he means for us to throw aside the worldly definitions of these words and to reframe them in, um, in, a, in a mindset of imitating him instead. Yeah, when I was kind of reading this first part of chapter five, I was kind of drawn to verse four, whatever, where it says, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Um, and as somebody who you know, likes to laugh and joke around and like, I don't know, be goofy or whatever. Um, there's a line of that as well, of like what we allow ourselves to laugh at and what we allow ourselves to joke about. Um, and so what's it look like to hold myself accountable or like my friends accountable to that? Um, because yeah, what's it look like to maybe focus more on being thankful and building each other up instead of always just 
I don't know, having meaningless jokes. Um, but then also later on in kind of verses 8 through 13, it talks about living as children of the light and exposing things in the dark. Um, and then verse 13 reads, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Um, and just thinking about that is like, I don't think I've ever regretted being vulnerable or confessing like sins to somebody or like to a friend. Um, and just like how God works in that and the fruit that comes from that. Um, and also thinking about like the men's retreat this past weekend and the space we created for kind of life-giving conversation and to get to know guys, like we're called to a depth in friendship and being vulnerable and confessing with guys like allows for that friendship to like develop deep roots. And I don't know, I love that. So good, light, love and wisdom. So thinking in terms of Ephesians four and five, there's a lot of practical living sorts of things that this huge cosmic God that came in Christ wants us to live our faith um, in action. What, what would you say, if, you know, just a couple brief comments, uh, what, what's stuck to you um, most personally um, or practically, um, even in your own faith walk, um, as you've reflected on Ephesians 4 and 5? Um, I think the verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 21, stuck with me. It says, let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And just kind of how that shows the progression. Um, so it, like, starts with bitterness, and then it's anger, then it's wrath, then it's shouting, then it's slander. And just how so often I, like, I know, like, slandering another person is bad, but, like, bitterness in my own heart, like, okay, well, that's just in me. Like, I can be upset about that, but, like, really... Um, getting that taken care of at the root of the issue is important and kind of how Gabe was talking about like that forgiveness um, and loving others well um, can just avoid kind of this downward tumble, like this snowball effect um, of sin. So I think that's just something that I can practically work on in my own life is just, um, I don't know, cutting things off at the bitterness, like not letting that rest in my own heart. Um, I think something that stood out to me um, is going off of verse 16, and it's talking about the body, and um, it says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so that part stood out to me um, just because I feel like college especially is a time where you're trying to figure out your career, your calling, where you want to go with your life. And so it can be really easy to compare um, your calling to other people. Um, and so as Christians, we all have the same end goal, which is to make disciples and make Christ known. But um, the way that each one of us does it is unique and special to us. And God has a certain purpose for each person. And so I think that verse is just a good reminder to not compare your calling to someone else's and just know that God has called you specifically to something. Um, and yeah, so it's just important to not compare to others and know that God has a certain purpose for you. Uh, I had like two main takeaways as well. Uh, mine was like Lauren's. It was the verse 16. And like, I kind of honed in on like where it says he uh, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. It's like the two main parts for me there was like he and perfectly because like, Sometimes we think that God uh, can't use this or, like, we question, like, how is God going to use this? But, like, uh, I think, again, just making yourself available, it says, like, he will, we just have to make ourselves available and then he will do the rest. And then, like, we may think, like, how the heck is he going to use this? But, like, 
it says like he's gonna just put us together perfectly in our own like unique ways. So that like kind of stood out to me. And then like the second part was because uh, Paul wrote the Ephesians while he was in prison, and like uh, in uh, I think it's verse yeah verse seven it talks about how much of a privilege it is to serve God and like uh, when you think about like how people in like different regions are prosecuted or like they're suffering for serving God like we're here and like we're able to like have conversations and like share about our faith and like talk about relationships like that I think it's just important to take advantage of that as well and like sometimes when like you try to spread the word or like talk about God or whatever it doesn't go the way you wanted it but like that's in uh where is it in the previous verse it talks about like taking heart and like trusting God and again it's like talking about like how we can only do so much, God's gonna do the rest. So like just having those intentional conversations and just keeping on with it, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Maybe one more. So I also went to the men's retreat and I think that the RDs had a lot of good things to say. Um, one thing, a couple things that I got out of it and that applied to like Ephesians, like reading it and like God is light, like, is just creating habits that will continue onto the future because if you create the habits now that it will help you in the future because then when troubles come you won't be like um I don't know what you say, like you won't be drawn off course you know and I just think that being able to set time aside and get into the word is very important as college students because especially now like classes are getting a little harder and we got tests and as we continue to do that we just need to not worry about the fact that we're in school and like grades and all that but the fact that God loves us and that we need to always be with him because he's always with us that's so good hey can we thank our Raiders for sharing some wisdom with us I hope, I hope two things sat with you, and then I'll pray, and then we're going to close up our service with just one last song. Uh, so two things. One, um, I really hope that you're not just hearing the word preached to you, that you're maybe not just meditating and soaking in the word in your own contemplative space like we did last week with Ephesians 2, but I really hope that you're opening God's word in community. It is such a gift to be in the presence of brothers and sisters who have the same Holy Spirit and to really reflect um, to one another, uh, God's truth. We have different gifts, we have different eyes, we have different experiences, and together, that oneness, that unity, there's something really powerful about the way we practice and live and do our lives together. And so I just hope you can find a community where you do what we were just doing together, um, just learning from one another, growing from one another, that we're not just using our own words, but we're really inking ourselves in God's word. And number two, I heard a poll once that God's word is like a, it's like a jewel. And the value of a jewel, it's the exact same jewel, but every time you slightly turn that jewel left or right or up or down, the light reflects through all the facets of that jewel and hits your eyes differently. It's almost like 
the same jewel you could look at for millions and millions of years because it's so endlessly eternal. And the way it hits you um, is something fresh and new all the time. God's word is endlessly valuable. Uh, you look at that same passage throughout your life, you're gonna, you're gonna see fresh things that God wants to speak to you. So hope you take those two things with you. Let me say a word of prayer and then we'll close our time in, a, in, a, in a, uh, singing together. God, we love you. Um, God, we praise you. Um, God, we thank you for um, your presence with us. We thank you for the truths that you spoke of old through Ephesians that um, are for us today uh, to lean into, to submit ourselves to, to allow, to um, guide and hold us up. Um, Lord, we, uh, we pray that as we would uh, step into this call of sainthood, this, this rising up into this incredible eternal call, um, that's secure in, in you, Jesus Christ, that uh, as we rise up, that we would give all glory and praise uh, due to the one who's worthy, and that's you, Jesus. So we thank you, God, that um, the way you reveal the depths of your character to us, we're always left with uh, um, the only appropriate response, which is just praise and glory to you and no other name. And so we pray this all in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.